0: of the Six Nations Champions. Sounds good, doesn't it? Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. We'll hear about the start of the Women's Six Nations and the thoughts of two of the top men at the WIU, Chief Executive Steve Phillips and Chairman Rob Butcher. All coming up but we'll start with a presentation of the Six Nations Trophy at the Wales team base at the Vale Resort. It all hinged on the final delayed game, with Scotland winning in Paris, of course. So what was Wales captain Alwyn jones doing on the evening of that vital game?
1: Just a normal night, really. Hits to bed, and then um, there was a bit of a, a small matter of rugby match on that I caught the last 20 minutes of. So it was a strange one, but you know, it all credit to Scotland. And I thought, um, you know, seeing Hoggy at the end, and the way he spoke about it, his team and what it meant to them I thought it was really powerful particularly on some of the performances they've shown you know to me they were doing obviously they they did us a favour but they were doing it for Scotland and um, credit to them and and the way they they played A bit different as in knowing that you could be on the brink of a title but it wasn't in your hands Yeah very much so I think um, the last 12 months has been very different not only in the sporting world but everywhere I know we we keep talking about that but I think um, it's been uh, very different in many ways and obviously a, a long week not preparing for a game that has a bearing on where you finish. So it's, it's been a, an oddity and a, and a strange one, like I say. And an oddity, you used to lifting trophies, as you say, in full stadiums. It's going to be different today. How do you think you'll find that? It's funny, though. In a, in a way, it's very special because this is where we spend a lot of our time anyway. Um, this is where I've been coming since I was part of the programme back in, you know, 16s, 18s, 19s, intermediate level to full senior. So to have the opportunity to do it here is really special, but obviously... Not to be able to share it with the fans is, is disappointing, but hopefully, you know, there'll be opportunity for the fans to to enjoy and have their time with the trophies, etc., further down the line. Can you sum up what this group has achieved over the last uh, eight weeks, Um, um I, I don't know if I can, to be honest with you. I think we can make comparisons about previous teams and previous campaigns, competitions, etc. I think the biggest one is just really proud, probably, of the attitude on field but also the the discipline off field obviously we've had our blips like most you know environments have because of the situation like i say but to be able to come through it like we have just makes me proud like i say not on the rugby sense but the off field sense in particular because that's enabled us to carry on and, and crack on and you know perform and, and train like we have and this squad uh, looking forward what can they go on to achieve do you feel i don't know I, i'm not going to put any pressure i think you know that's probably a, a question for for Monday in the next campaign or the the, the two weeks prior to the next campaign depending what goes on how well the regions do etc who's available so you know there's always variables but I think considering um, the state of things and and what was said coming into this campaign you know to a man I'm very proud obviously to be associated with the the staff and management and players of the the current crop we have I imagine you might end up with the Lions this summer but how important is it that the Welsh team continue their development and blood some more youngsters in the summer tour whatever that looks like but there's a lot of new caps in the Nations Cup campaign. And I think that process has already started. I think there's um, continual succession going on at regional and international level. And it'll be another opportunity for Wayne to do that. I don't know what his statement of intent is going to be or the individually, but I'd like to think there'd be a, you know, a few more new faces and, and competition grows. It can only be a good thing. I know you love talking about statistics, but that's five Six Nations titles for yourself now. Um, that's pretty impressive. What's your reaction? Well, they're all behind now, aren't they? So you just gotta I'm looking forward to be honest, getting back to the Ospreys. Um, I've been frustrated the last couple of seasons, had a, a spell on the sidelines post World Cup, and obviously, Covid put pay to uh, anything after the last six nations, and then I had uh, two months after the Nations Cup, so I just want to get back into the swing of things. I've played four games under Boothie and want to get back into that uh, regime. And you know, with the, the crop we got back there, and particularly with the, the performances they're putting in, I've
0: Coach Wayne Pevac
1: did watch the match between France and
0: Scotland on which Wales' fate depended. Though in truth France never really looked like the 21 point margin they needed to overtake Wales. So did that mean the Wales coach could relax
2: as the game wore on? You don't really relax until that final whistle goes but probably the last five minutes because the week before you know, we were up by ten points I think it was with about four and a half minutes to go and the French were good enough to score two tries so you never really relax when you've got a side like that uh, involved. So, it was the last few minutes, really. So, what was that week in between like for you all? Yeah, no. Look, it was just a great time to reflect on the sort of week we'd had before, which was a disappointing one. After, you know, a campaign where we sort of grew through it, and you know, I really felt for the players and the other members of the management team who put in so much hard work, and to come up just shy of a grand slam was pretty difficult to take last week, but. Obviously uh, those emotions have moved on and to go through it again in a game which was full of drama again, it just made it uh, probably a very very special Six Nations for the whole group. One we're going to be very proud on when we look back. Of course the Six Nations success surprised a few people on the back of results in 2020. Yeah, look, it was one um, which we'd planned for. We've got a lot of planning in place through to the World Cup in 2023 and, you know, well-documented, as I've said, that uh, we felt we'd probably have to take a little bit of pain. I think we had 11 new caps throughout the autumn and, you know, the way we selected the team and revolved the players around, you know, it was always going to be difficult to get the continuity that you need in games. And the idea was looking at the big picture, though, and, and what we need to do and, the, and the, the positions where we needed to further develop rugby players and... You know to get the experience that they're going to need to come world cup in 2023 so to see us come out the other end of that is very very pleasing but you know with this group we think that we're nowhere near the finished product and we've still got um, more to come was that period in 2020 a tough one for you all oh definitely you know um, nobody likes going through uh, a bit of pain and uh, certainly you know we're all competitive people and we like winning and uh, so to, to have some losses and and to know how that um affects you know the general public it's nice to get on the, on the winning end of it and then uh, repay the faith of the public. Looking forward, what's ahead for Wales this summer? Yeah, you know, we'd like to see uh, a lot of our players get selected on the Lions Tour. Obviously, we'll sit and watch that and um, obviously celebrate if we do get a few players on there. wish them well, obviously, on what could be a, a very, very special tour if it goes ahead. Warren, he sends messages on, on a regular basis and uh, he was congratulating us. Uh, obviously. Um, you know he's been there and done that so it's nice to hear from him and nice to get that uh, pat on the back. It's the start of the women's Six Nations this weekend, will you be supporting them in their campaign? Oh certainly and I'm, I'm going to hopefully get down to a training session uh, uh, just to, to pop in and um, wish them well but uh, certainly you know anybody wearing red and the three feathers we wish them well and, and the ladies no different and uh, they'll be looking forward to it, it's, uh, it's a special tournament to play in. listening to the Welsh Rugby
0: Union podcast. As mentioned there, the Women's Six Nations kicks off this weekend with Wales starting out in France, a tough assignment against a team which traditionally has an advantage in terms of more professional or semi-professional players. However, Captain Sean Lillicrap sees it as an opportunity to show a new side under coach Warren Abrahams.
3: We've worked hard on our unity essentially, but how we bring that to life now is gonna be the exciting bit. But he's also probably throwing a different type of brand of rugby that we've played before at us. So maybe a bit more of a play what's in front of you an attacking style of rugby, play to space. So hopefully, I'm sure we'll bring it to life this weekend. But you know, the girls have been grafting hard. We've been grafting hard as a squad and we've been tested in, in ways we haven't been tested before in thinking about things differently. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited to be able to show really how it's in reality now, you know that's that's going to be huge for us this weekend.
0: Historically, games against England and France haven't been a level playing field, but in terms of the latter stages of this competition and the and the world rugby competitions planned going forward, it's more putting teams together according to the preparation opportunities they've had rather than historical competitions that the men have had.
3: Definitely, you know, obviously. As a, a national squad, though, we want as much games as we can to prepare. So there's bonuses to this type of format and a couple of negatives because we're two games lighter essentially. But given the pandemic and everything that's happened, we're just grateful that we've got this opportunity to play. It's exciting because there will be a Super Saturday type feeling at the end of the campaign where... You know, everyone's got something to play for and fight for to fight for a better finish, essentially. So I think that day, that weekend would be super exciting. And that gives someone, everyone something to look forward to. You know, you could cause an upset. You know, we could go to France this weekend and win. No one's predicting that; We're the underdogs. But that's what we're going to fight to do. That puts a whole new spanner in the works then for all, what everyone's predicting. So, you know, that's an exciting spin off on it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that final weekend will be a good one.
0: One thing that that has given you a big advantage this year is obviously playing in England, almost all the players I think have been playing in England, mixing in that system, the, the greater professionalism of that system. Where does the balance come between what they were trying to establish with the regions in Wales and the extra benefits of playing in England? Where do you see that when we do eventually return to more normal times?
3: yeah we're just extremely fortunate to be honest that so many of our girls are able to travel across border you know we don't live too far away so we can join some of these anya's teams but you know the setups in these clubs are outstanding um it's a real professional environment with the infrastructure that's in place but also you know obviously there's been adaptive side rules this year to allow us to play but the bonus is we've been playing competitive tough rugby since october so you know, When we played our regional programme before, it's been one or two months, and that's the end of the regional programme in Wales. The bonus to this this year, we've had players since October play essentially a full season, so five six months with their clubs playing good competitive rugby against you know some other best players in the world not just English players you know Exeter have got some international players down there as well and so have the other teams so it's a great league with some outstanding players playing in so yeah I think we've probably tested ourselves as individuals and been more prepared since October because we played competitive rugby week in week out.
0: So that'll be interesting to see of course. But now a chance to hear from two of the top people at the WRU, Chairman Rob Butcher and First Chief Executive Steve Phillips, starting with what might happen to the Wales tour to Uruguay and Argentina planned for this summer.
4: We spoke with our colleagues in Argentina. I think I'd start, you know, the lead piece here. We are looking to play international rugby because, you know, you, you guys remember as well as we do, that you know we would take, the opportunity of playing in New Zealand was taken away from us last July. But we're very keen to play. You know, we may or may not get a big contingent of Lions players. It'll be another excellent opportunity for us to develop players, as we did in the autumn. But are we travelling to Argentina and or Uruguay? We're still working on that basis, but the overriding decision will be what is the best safety of interest for our players. We don't even know if we can go there, if I'm honest. But I think the general idea would be we are going to play international rugby in July. Do you have a deadline by which you need to know whether or not Wales are touring? It's a deadline that you impose on yourselves, really. So, like I said, we were talking to Argentina this week. And if we can get the, the assurances that, you know, there are COVID bubbles, that, you know, there are flights travelling there, that there's, you know, what are the quarantine rules? Because I think at the moment that Argentina is a red country. So then we've got to be mindful of when the international team come back, do they have to quarantine and all those other things you have to factor into it on the back of probably already a three-week, four-week tour.
0: So you talked about uh, the desire to play test rugby in the summer. If it's not Argentina and
1: Uruguay, or are you playing at home? You're looking to tour elsewhere. Have you got a plan in the background?
4: If we're not permitted to travel to Argentina for whatever reason, you know, I think we've all learned you know, to be very agile and adapt to anything. So if if, if we were unable to travel to Argentina, are we into the playing home, as you put it? Put that into the mix. The key point is, we're playing international rugby. Yeah, Ideally, we stick to the arrangement we have with Argentina. But as we've, seen, we've demonstrated over the last six assignments, you know, you have to be very agile and adapt, you know, like all the things you've got to do with the Autumn Nations Cup and Six Nations, etc.
5: Rob, if I can just come to you first, please. Obviously, you've mentioned that Steve Phillips has received the, the permanent appointment as CEO. Can you just explain how that process worked and, you know, how many candidates were interviewed for that role? If I go back in time, as you're, you're well aware, that the process was begun with Aleph Davis in his regime, and we ended up in a situation there where unfortunately the union was unable to appoint. So this is pre-Christmas and pre my time, I took over in November. And so when I did take over, then the first thing we did as a board was to decide that we're gonna continue that process. The process of course began with appoint, Steve had already been appointed as the interim chief executive, and we felt as a board, and probably myself in particular, really, we, we had a number of choices. One of the choices would have been to keep the interim situation going for much, much longer. But the problem with that would have been is when would we have appointed? We could be appointed in six months, 12 months, 18 months. It, it was just an uncertainty. So we as a board decided that we would appoint. We wouldn't uh, take the process for before Christmas, but as soon as we came back in the new year, That's when we did kick it off. And with the use of a a recruitment agency, we came up with an extensive list of possible candidates that we whittled down in the end to five candidates, then four candidates. And we appointed, as you know, approved by the board. What convinced you that he was the right man for the job? It's not a question of me being convinced. It's a question of the board being convinced and the panel being convinced he's the right person. But we as a board, we support fully his appointment. What are the qualities he's got? Well, I can tell you one quality is, first of all, he's been an interim chief executive. I'm sure they've existed in many places before, but to take over as an interim chief executive in the biggest crisis probably that Welsh rugby has ever faced was an issue in itself, He's completed his interim apprenticeship, if you like, in dealing with that. We're still here as a Welsh rugby union. And what I would say that from the outset, we wanted to do two things really in relation to that COVID outbreak. And that is we started it with circa 300 clubs and a determination as a union to come out the other end still having 300 clubs. And I'm pleased to say at this point in time, we've managed that. Secondly, we take our responsibilities as a union in relation to the health of the nation extremely seriously. And so the plans we've put in place, the way we've operated, we've ensured as best we can that our players are safe, our coaches are safe, administrators, the clubs and the supporters. When you wrap up all together, the most important thing, of course, is that we as a union do the right thing in terms of the health of the nation. And we feel by doing the right thing at the right time, even though it may not be overwhelmingly popular, that people understand it and we've played our part in that. So Steve at the helm, if you like, has guided us with his team through that, let's be honest, minefield that we've been faced with. He's faced the problem for us as a board of the finances of the Welsh Rugby Union. Are there definitive answers to what the finances will look like? No, there aren't. But we've worked our way through it. And ongoingly, that's a key task that he with his executive team are going to have to take forward. If I could just come to you now, Steve, you know, it's a very difficult period for for everybody really, none more so perhaps than, than the regions themselves. Can, can I just ask you as CEO, permanent CEO now, what, what is your commitment
4: to maintaining four strong funded professional teams in Wales? Well, we, we deal with all that within the PRB and that is our stated aim. There's a short term and there's a longer piece in there. Next task you know, confronting us will be to deal with refinancing what we call the CL Bills loan to terms that have been offered perhaps to clubs in, in England uh, and indeed to Scotland. So, you know, we're trying to re-establish a level playing field for our clubs in Wales. That's work in progress, very much getting a lot of support from Welsh Government on that. So that's the first challenge. So, you know, we are governed, as many of you know, by a document called the Professional Rugby Agreement. And, you know, we are obliged to support the regions as best we're able. And definitely our intention to continue doing that.
5: People tend to get excited when they see the, the figures thrown around by the CVC deals that have come in through Pro-14 and Six Nations. Now, obviously, the most recent one, the Six Nations one, I just wonder what the the sort of intentions are for, for that first, I think it's £10 million is coming towards the WRU as a result of that and whether any
4: of that will be passed on to the regions? Two parts of that is, first of all, you're normally out, but you know, it won't be £10 million. But I think in terms of overall strategy, what you will remember here, is you know we've sold an asset, we've sold future value, yeah. So and in rough numbers, we've effectively given away or sold rather 15% of our future earnings. So the challenge we've got now is to restore the future earnings that we've now sold to our partners in CBC. So our plan is or our strategy will be to look to a, diversify our activities and effectively invest in things that'll give us a return on investment to hopefully replace the the, the earnings that we'd have lost to CBC. Think of it more like, um, you know, investing in something that's going to give Welsh Street an inequality, you know, going forward. So rather than look at the capital that is very short-term, let's look at the long-term earnings that hopefully that can get for you. Is there a short-term and a longer-term play here? And we may have to be a bit flexible. Yeah, possibly. But the longer-term strategy will be to invest wisely, if you like, pick an example, like, you know, we're investing in a hotel, that will give, you know, why well, should it be a long-term annuity? And we're kind of looking at all those sort of things. Now, I think that, that we've always had ambitions to doing a roof walk, which I think still works. You know, this conversation about should we do a WIU visitor experience? So all these sort of things will come back on the table once kind of, you know, COVID is behind us and we're able to land the CBC capital proceeds. The other thing to remember is I'm not sure this was made clear in the announcements. We are subject to regulatory approval on the CBC deal. And the, view the legal view is that's a good four or five months away. So we're not expecting to receive anything the way of first tranche, if you like. Um, as you probably know, it's a five-tranche process.
0: Obviously, you must be
1: delighted they've managed to turn around the results and get to the top of the six nations.
5: And we're all well aware as a Welsh nation, you know Everybody on the numerous times a the year, they all got the red shirt on. Um, we live it for 12 months of the year and we're delighted to have the support that we do have. And we're well aware of the criticism that can arise at times. But we knew from the point when Wayne was selected to be the Welsh coach, then it was going to be a difficult time. Was it going to be a... Uh, a continuing upward curve when we were realistic enough to realise that Welsh rugby, the same as the Welsh nation, the same as Welsh sport in general, it can be cyclical. We cling to those great parts of Welsh sport that when Gareth Bale is successful, when Joe Calzaghi is successful, when Richard Burton is the great actor, and on and on it goes. And that's what Welsh rugby is like. It has ups and downs. And we'd be unrealistic, really, if we thought we were going to win the Six Nations every year and we're going to have a Grand Slam every other year. It doesn't work like that. But we knew from the outset that we had to stick by Wayne because he was going to have a different approach, a different way. And I feel, and the board feel, and I'm sure the Welsh nation feels this as well, is that as we've gone throughout this Six Nations campaign, we've got better... better and better we've noticed a new style and new styles don't come about overnight they take time to develop but I think everybody will agree that the performance what struck the chord most with me was in that first half but I don't think we knocked the ball on I don't think there was a forward pass there was hardly a penalty and the game developed in this flexible way on and on and there we were one try down one try back another try down another try back and i think it was there for everybody to see that the team has developed it has now got a style of its own and that style is something that when we believe can take
4: us forward on i was out in paris and perhaps two things is the dressing room, you know, they gave it all. I thought they put in a, a tremendous performance. And, you know, where we were in that, whatever minute it was, the second minute, they were pretty disappointed, you know. So all of us sitting at home will think, oh gosh, you know, that was very disappointing. They suffer the disappointment tenfold to what we suffer. I think the other thing I would share with you, having been in the environment and around them and, you know, trying to support Wayne and his team is the sacrifice that the players make you know, in this you know COVID bubble thing. So, you know, you all saw what happened in France and everybody is paranoid about not letting that happen. And then people just underestimate the, the sacrifices the players make. So, you know, they get a limited time off and even with a day off, sometimes it's, you are staying in the hotel and you've got kind of nowhere to go. Worth just pointing that out to you guys, really.
5: We are unbelievably proud of the players, the squad, the coaching team, the management and everything that goes with it, and proud we are. I've got to say, we are delighted the way it's turned out, but we'd have been no less proud of them and the effort that they put in if things hadn't gone their way. As rugby is a national game in Wales, and we have some of the most deprived communities in Britain,
1: how comfortable would you be that some of the Wales games might be behind a pay-to-view wall, effectively, so people have to pay for that?
4: Unions that have got together and try to position only the Six Nations, but the Autumns as well. Yeah. We're going out to market with the, you know, Six Nations and, you know, the international season that happens in November. It is absolutely critical that we land S4C coverage here. So that is non-negotiable for me in in Six Nations. And I think all my colleagues in the other unions are very, very clear on that as well. You know, we take the similar view, as you know, and, you know, we've increased coverage recently in the Pro 14 league. But S4C having Welsh rights, fundamental to us in Six Nations, not only Six Nations, also in whenever we end up in the autumn, because if you remember last time, you could watch Willis playing London in Park Scarlets, and you could watch it on S4C or you could watch on Amazon.
5: So you, you don't foresee a situation
1: where in the future if it's a hybrid deal with a pay-per-view provider and terrestrial that's um that all games involving Wales will have some terrestrial coverage, whether through the medium
5: of Welsh or English. That's right. Yeah.
1: Just Rob, lastly from me, and um, your area of expertise, obviously, in, is the community game. This week we've had the rollout of plans for return. I mean, I just wondered how positive you are for the future of the grassroots game, because it's been hit devastatingly by this. I mean, what's your verdict on that? I'd
5: answer it by referring back to something I mentioned a little bit earlier about... 300 clubs going into it and, you know, with the following wind and everything we've done, 300 coming out of it. It is untested, though. I'm fairly confident that we are doing everything we can to work with the government to be able to start training and then move to a situation where we can have some kind of competition, where we can move gradually to full contact scrummages seem to be a fair way off at the moment, but nevertheless, on the roadmap that we've got that begins on the 1st of April and takes us up through the months in the different stages until we get to January, then we have the plan there. And what we've got to put everything into is will the participation be the same within clubs when we get back to it as to when we came out of it in the first place? So that's the imponderable that we've got at the moment. All I can say to you is that we are doing our level best from the, everybody got within the clubs, the club operations managers, the, the volunteers within the club, and then our rugby managers, rugby coordinators, an unsung set of heroes called the hub officers within schools. Then I think people are champing at the bit to get back and they understand what we're trying to do. We've involved them at every single stage. I don't think there's much more that we could do in in terms of trying our level best to ensure that those 300 clubs will be with us at the end. But it is, I accept, an imponderable. But what a challenge to we really are facing. I've got to say that you wouldn't get 333 people to a meeting like we did unless the will was there to be able to get those clubs moving again. And we have a, a serious will to be able to do that. I can't look into the future. I can look at my crystal ball. as a favourite saying of mine. If I look into the crystal ball, what's going to be there? I've got to say I'm optimistic. There are parts of the Welsh Rugby Union. The staff, they call themselves the boots on the ground. They keep on reminding me of the boots on the ground. We are at that elite level, I suppose, Steve and myself and the board and the executive. But the boots on the ground tell me that the will is there, the want is there. And I genuinely can tell you this, at this point in time, I'm unaware of any club having gone to the
3: war.
0: A great chance to hear at length about the future direction of Welsh Rugby there. So that's it for this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Plenty more to reflect on next week. But until then, goodbye and stay safe.